everyone, and welcome to this sponsored podcast from Ossert's 2014 conference. All of our coverage from Ossert 2014 is brought to you by three terrific sponsors, Datacom TSS, Arbor Networks, and FireEye. Big thanks, big, big thanks to all of the sponsors for helping us put together this podcast series. And as a part of their sponsorships, we publish a handful of sponsor podcasts in the RB2 feed. And in this interview, we're chatting with Arbor Network's Scott Crane. Scott is part of the original Packet Loop team. Packet Loop was an Australian startup that created some pretty impressive big data security analytics technology. It was, in fact, so impressive that it wound up being acquired by Arbor Networks and is now sold under the Prevail brand. That's P-R-A-V-A-I-L. Somehow, also, they managed to convince Arbor to keep the bulk of the R&D on those products based right here in Australia. So you could say we're all pretty big fans of Scott and his team down here for scoring some runs for Team Australia. Now, it's been eight months since the deal was struck, so I caught up with Scott to talk about what's new in the field of big data security analytics. And interestingly enough, the Prevail tech wound up being pretty useful lately. Because it performs packet capture-based analysis, uh, this meant those guys could help their clients roll back through their stored packet captures to see if anyone had used the Heartbleed floor against them. Somewhat reassuringly, the Prevail guys at Arbor did not find any evidence of Heartbleed actually being used in the wild. Here's Scott Crane. Yeah, it's, it's a good one because with Heartbleed, there's no logs. There's no application layer logs you can go and look at. So you don't really know if you've been attacked. You don't know if anything's been stolen. You don't know whether you've been compromised, but you still may have been vulnerable. So I think the important thing for us was firstly to have detection capabilities pretty much the day of disclosure. We were able to put the first disclosure capabilities in that were out there. Uh, we are able to update those capabilities each day that the, you know, the vulnerability was out there and people were improving the detection capability. Importantly for our customers, having stored their packet captures, we're able to reprocess that traffic. So we loop all that traffic that was stored back through against those signatures each day. So we saw a pretty big uptake um, of new traffic coming in, but also we reprocessed um, oh, terabytes of traffic for customers and we're able to confirm pretty much that those customers weren't compromised. Uh, yeah, and this, I mean, this, this one's interesting because, you know, a, what do they call it, like a heartbeat, you know, ping, didn't actually produce any event log. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed actually finding that in your log. So this, I mean, I can't think of a better case study to highlight where full packet capture can be uh, uh, can be useful. I mean, you must have been thanking your lucky stars for it. It was a, it was a funny couple of weeks because we had that IE zero day uh, straight after it. So the customers that had hit us up for Heartbleed were instantly back to say, you know, can we see this IE vulnerability? So uh, it did prove the worth of, of storing packet captures for replay and proving, you know, definitively whether you've been compromised in the past. Um, you know, not all customers store packet captures. Some will basically do the analytics one time or one time only. Yeah, they'll do the analytics and then strip the metadata and ditch the, the yeah. bulk of it, right? And, and that option's there for the customers. We don't have to keep the packet captures. But those who did keep the packet capture, they saw the value of storing that data, you know, even for a month, that data was, was very valuable those first couple of days after Heartbleed came out. Yeah, I think so. And I, I would also think, though, that, I mean, look, I know no one's going to have this, but if you had packet captures rolling back for two years, which was the, you know, the length of time that that vulnerability was actually present in OpenSSL, that would give you a real sense of assurance, wouldn't it? Yeah, and if you found something back to that point, you'd be, you'd be pretty scared as to what was going <laughs> on back there. But it's certainly, that's the vision, you know, as, as storage prices come down and the ability to store more and more data, 
becomes you know available to everybody. Uh, we hope people will do that. And you guys did get a false positive initially, didn't you? Which uh, got everyone pretty excited. Yeah, with the first couple of um, detection methods were out there, they were you know, somewhat prevalent to false positives, just given the amount of data they were matching on. Um, so it was pretty easy to see pretty quickly what we were matching on and, and see whether they were false positives. Uh, we were more interested in stuff that was probably about a month pre-disclosure. That was where we thought, if we're going to see it, we're going to see it in that space there. But thankfully for our customers, you know, we haven't picked anything up at this point. But these are kind of edge cases, aren't they, where you really actually need the raw data versus the logs? Yeah, it's it's one case where a single vulnerability, the raw data is very, very useful. And the other place we're finding that the raw data is useful is for long-running blended threats where you, know, you need to look at a long-running timeline to sort of understand the magnitude of the threat, see where the threats are, if the attacker is moving laterally or changing tactics during the uh, attack. But having the full packet capture means I can go back then and look at reconstructing everything that occurred. If that started six months ago, I've got that ability then to go back in time and play with that attacker from the moment they came in to the moment they finished and see everything. I'm not just working off the logs. Mm. So uh, what uh, proportion of your customers are actually deploying this type of tech on internal resources as well as external? Uh, seeing a predominance of customers who want to do this internally, uh, obviously, there's still probably a, a little bit of reluctance to putting a lot of data out in the cloud. Uh, we're certainly focusing customers that have, you know, for internet gateways where the, the data is already in the cloud, out on the internet. There's no reason that data can't be in the cloud. So that's uh, that's a push we're certainly asking customers to have a look at. But there's a, a predominance of people wanting to do stuff on premise, you know, with their own uh, appliances or storage. Uh, well, and that's why you guys have got those shiny boxes, right? Exactly. <laughs> Now, I understand, uh, you know, in addition to just taking this stuff, turning it into a more polished product and actually, you know, putting it in a, in a shiny box of lights that goes ping, uh, you guys have also, uh, you know, spent the last uh, six to eight months uh, engineering some new features. Yeah, we've got about three or four major sort of things that have gone into the product, both with the cloud and uh, our upcoming appliance launch, which is in the next couple of days. Central to that is probably the ability for customers. We already, already had the ability to do uh, custom feeds and multiple sort of threat intelligence feeds. The customers can now you know, write their own signatures in snort format and apply those very quickly. So even if they're waiting for us to get new detection methods in, customers can write their own tests very quickly and they can use that looping feature to then loop their own traffic very quickly. So if they've, if they've seen something they think is of concern to them and not anybody else, they can write the signature for that mm. and, then, and then test the stored PCAPs. I think that'd be quite handy for various government organisations, wouldn't it, who might have access to some, uh, you know, basically some ODA SIGs that other people wouldn't have access to. Certainly the request to write that feature came from uh, those quarters, yes. <laughs> Just a wild hunch. All right, well, Scott Crane, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, uh, you know, as part of this OSIRT coverage for OSIRT's 2014 conference. And indeed, thank you very much uh, to Arbor and Packet Loop for sponsoring our coverage of said event. No worries. Thanks, Patrick.